0: I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this is Curate Curiosity. Today's episode is brought to you by The Healing. The Healing is a nonprofit organization founded in June 2020 by Andrew Smith and Tristan Lewis. The Healing supports black and brown men in the city by creating spaces and experiences that encourage mental wellness through social events, academic forums, and yoga practice. In addition to creating community for personal growth and positive change, The Healing is currently focused on fundraising to strengthen education and mental health services for young people in Chicago. To hear more about The Healing's weekly yoga sessions and upcoming events, follow The Healing Shy on Instagram. If we reduce human beings, to being simply physical as Western thought is prone to do. Our poverty alleviation efforts will tend to focus on material solutions. But if we remember that humans are spiritual, social, psychological, and physical beings, our poverty alleviation efforts will be more holistic in their design and execution. Stephen Corbett, When Helping Hurts. Sociologist Jessica Oladapo put it this way, we need to be careful not to reduce multidimensional people into one dimensional ideas. Salt and Light Coalition is a grassroots movement mobilizing individuals and organizations to empower survivors of trafficking to live meaningful and purposeful lives. As we hear more about the impact of the Salt and Light Coalition We'll take a look at the way that autonomy, choice, recognition of the whole person and personal goals play a huge role in their success as well as their ability to continue helping without hurting. Here's my conversation with Myra Sotomayor. Hello, hello, hello again. Uh, This is Dietrich Hunter with Curate Curiosity. Uh, Today I'm here um, with a representative from the Salt and Light Coalition, uh, Myra. Uh, Myra. What has your attention uh, right now? And what uh, would you like to tell the people a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, okay. Um, Well, something I guess that's been a new of my passions has been um, just kind of refurbishing furniture and finding an outlet, um, creative ways. I've always been a creative person, very um, DIY. So right now, especially during quarantine, and I find myself at home, I'm like always at Joanne's, at Michael's, at Home Depot. Um, buying, buying just like random craft stuff and then um, finding things on YouTube, finding things on Instagram, and just kind of like trying to recreate it. Um, a lot of the time, it's been more of seeing if I can accomplish it. And then it feels so good when I actually am able to like finish it. I'm like, okay, now what's the next task? So, right now, my room and my apartment is filled with all these like random craft stuff. Um, and I think for me, it's just been an outlet. I think it's just been a really good um, stress reliever and a creative way to, um, just kind of like let go of anything that's going on in the day and just really focusing on that one little project or, um, but even like recently I started doing a little refurbishing business, um, with furniture and that's been a cool way of just uh, making an extra income, but also just being able to like paint something and using my own, um, talent or my own like creativity um and it's kind of cool and people actually really enjoy it and love it and people are actually buying my pieces so that's been a kind of like a fun thing that I've been doing Um, but yeah just picking up any any hobby random little craft stuff
0: it's really beautiful that things like that have been able to emerge uh for you during this time especially while we're out of rhythm to be able to add some consistency and some joy to your experience I think is that's that's awesome I really appreciate you sharing that uh, well, as we jump in, uh, Salt Light Coalition uh, is, is doing a lot of great work in Chicago. Uh, again, we want to focus on um, some of what they have had as far as their impact and this idea of how they you know, support people to their own autonomy. Um, there's like a quote that I kind of want to read to frame our time. Um, and it's this idea that uh, when people are made to change, uh, they experience that as harm. Uh, but when people are supported in their growth and development based on the strengths that they already have, uh, they experienced that as liberation. So I've seen and been involved um, kind of peripherally in some of the things that Salt and Light has done as far as volunteering um, and you know, going to galas and just supporting even monetarily. Um, but I think that that's one thing that has felt very unique about your organization. Um, so I hope we can dive into some of those aspects um, from your lens and, and your role in the organization. So what what is your role overall uh, in, in Salt and Light? Um, so I'm the
1: second. The second. Therapist. Um So I am the one that is every single day with the women. Um, I'm the one that's like helping them through the whole journey. Like there's all the volunteers that are helping them like some are like behind the scene. Some are like weekly basis, but I'm the one that's kind of there with them throughout their whole journey. I do the um, screenings, I do the intake. Um, I'll do like kind of like a group therapy with them. Um, I right now I also like during the pandemic I call every single one of them every week just to make sure how they're doing what's going on with their lives and um, when we were in the lockdown I wasn't able to do that day like having like that conversation when they come in the door um, so it's kind of just making and having them feel heard um, but also when they graduate I kind of do been doing with some of them a little like um, zoom call to kind of just keep checking up on them. Um, but yeah, it's been more of like the client facing that I do a lot.
0: Awesome. I appreciate that. So could you real quick, um, maybe this might be even a step back of just describe the the work of Salt and Light. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, um, you said, you know, with the women client facing graduation, what is this, uh, program? What is this initiative, you know, founded on?
1: Yeah. So we are a one-year job training program. Um, and we, focusing a lot of women that have either have a history of being trafficked um have a history of a lot of the time they have like drug um or even like substance abuse and so for us it's going to be helping these women find themselves find their voice um but then also at the end it's going to helping them find the skills to be able to get jobs Um, because a lot of the women are trafficked before the age of 18 um they don't have like the Um, high school diploma, or like a GED, or sometimes just even skills that's going to help them in their career, or just having a, um, sometimes like computer skills, right, something for us that we take for granted, they don't know how to do that. So for us, it's helping them find their passion, finding their voice, finding these skills, that's going to help them get a career, get a job, and then they will never have to resort to either um, selling their body for money, or just going, you know, to trait that for them was just like a very easy thing to do.
0: Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down. Uh, I think that human trafficking is something that is lost on a lot of people. Um, It it seems like, I feel like I've encountered two camps, people who really understand and know it and people who have just simply are oblivious to it. So I appreciate you for kind of like giving that breakdown and maybe we'll go deeper into that as we talk about the impact. more personally, I guess. How does your story um, kind of intersect the organization? What made you to, like decide to join their work or do this specifically um, with the training and education you'd received?
1: Yeah. So I actually, when before even like starting um, at Sunlight, I was just a regular psychotherapist. It was like child, adolescents, um, and I always gravitated to kind of empowering women. So a lot of my clients were women, and it was just very um, rewarding having these women like. Every time they came up to me every week and saying like, wow, you really helped me. Um, and then I actually heard about sunlight through my church. Um, so they were partnered and they spoke about it once. And I remember just kind of going up and seeing what, it, oh, what is this about? Um, and briefly met Isabel and it was kind of just of, hey, this is, you know, I'm, I'm interested. And then I signed up to volunteer. Um, as I continued trying to volunteer, my work schedule didn't allow it. So I just kept trying to get connected. I'm like, okay, how, how can I go? How? Um, and I just kept attending meetings, couldn't go, but just kept attending meetings. And then um, it wasn't until one day that I met Isabel, we were at a um, even like evening meeting. I almost didn't go because I was tired. It was like, actually it was like two years ago. Um, but then after that meeting, one day Isabel just said like, you know, Hey, like I think you would be a great asset to the team. Like, what do you want to join? Um and when I went in there, like I said, I didn't know much about trafficking. I didn't even know it was so common here in Chicago. Um, but I did have a passion for just empowering women in general. Um, and then ever since that, like, I took a gamble. I definitely left my job and came to a startup nonprofit. And it's just been so rewarding. I feel that I'm making an impact every single day. Like, I, I see that direct relationship that I have with these women, um, And it's been difficult. I think sometimes there was a point that I felt that I was responsible for the sobriety, that I was responsible for um, them graduating the program. Um, But it's been more of me kind of letting that go and being able to know that I'm, no, like I'm just responsible for putting my best effort, being there for the women. Um, And that's kind of been a challenge that I've encountered, but something that now that I'm like, okay, as I keep going in my journey too, like just healing from past, Um, and helping now the women also heal from their past as well.
0: It's really huge. There's a lot to unpack. I think in a lot of what you shared, this idea of, you know, locus of control, um, as you enter into a helping field or helping profession is a huge thing that just will let you sleep at night. Um, This idea of saying, you know, support is within my control, but making the change is not, you know what I mean? Influencing and being there to communicate love is there, but like reception and like follow through, those are things that are, you know, really in people's hands. And I think that goes back to kind of that quote of like, people experiencing that support is liberation, because in a real way, they they do the change and transformation through their own decisions and through their own commitments, um, rather than our efforts. I think I've struggled with that as I'm a teacher. Um, and I was a youth worker for a couple of years in the church. And I think that in those times where you see, you know, kids, you know, go to jail or kids be gunned down or different things that happen. And you're like, Well, what if I would have had one more program and that kid wouldn't have, you know, been here or there or all these things. And you kind of, in my mind, at least I've kind of gone around some of those scenarios and circles. And the only thing that's in my control is, is the support of them. And I can't control every aspect of their environment. I can control every decision they're going to make. And even if I could, who knows if I'd make the right choice. Right. So I really support that idea that you said there of like making sure you make space for everyone's autonomy again, which is why I think I wanted to hear from um, your organization specifically, because I just, I really get that vibe that the the women are really the masters of their own destiny. It's just that you guys are just like people on the road with them. And I think that that is a beautiful model and one that I want to understand more um, as I you know involve myself volunteering or um, investigate other cool things happening in our city. Um, so I really yeah. appreciate
1: that. I think a lot of our women, every time when they come to the program, they one of the things that they really get out of it is that they said that they they felt seen and heard. Um, so for a lot of the times, they've never, they kind of put, I guess, a barrier or a limit to what their dreams are. And then they say coming to Salt and Light, it's just been, their dreams have been endless. There's so many possibilities. Um, and they even say that the fact that we would hear out their dreams and even help them or even say like, Oh, yeah, I know this person. Let me get you connected to here. Um, That for them, that's, that speaks volumes that they've said.
0: That's really beautiful. Awesome. I think that that's a good segue to to another question that comes to mind that I was wanting to hear about. It's like, excuse me. So, I mean, even Malcolm X, you know, said this in history, and I think it's more true now than it is today. It feels like, um, you know, black women are, you know the most overlooked and most like mistreated um people in society and i think that that brings me to like another question of you know what is your um organization's impact on the community uh, of color that is a part of chicago more specifically the black community
1: mm-hmm. yeah a lot of our women are um, african-american i think i wish i knew the numbers like from the top of my head Um, but I would say like at least like 40% are, um, and it's just been so hard because one of our biggest thing is yoga, right? And for them, they, one of the first thing that they always say is, oh, we don't see black yoga teachers, right? We don't see, um, a lot of like black fitness instructors. Um, and so for us showing them a lot of this nutrition and yoga and fitness and helping them heal like in a holistic way, um, we are exposing them to things that maybe they might have not been exposed to. Um, And then some have even said that they're like, they always say like, oh, you know, um, this is just not part of my culture. Like, it's just something that I'm not going to talk to my family at the dinner table about yoga, or I'm not going to talk to them about the number of micros and macros in their food, you know, but it's one of those things that um, we're kind of exposing to something different, helping them, like you said, finding their own, individual selves, um, but also empowering them, Um, letting them know that those kind of like that limit that they're putting themselves, that there's way more that they can do. Um, And it's been, yeah, this has also been like a challenge, right? Even finding out like, how, how can they relate to us? Um, All of our staff is actually, um, I'm Latina, we have Isabel, who's also Latina, Um, Michelle is Filipino, We have Jessica, who's also Latina. So it's kind of been interesting for them to also see like success in us, but also seeing like, oh, women of color can also be in this successful position. So they're, um, we always say like, you know, we're badass women. Like we we can always empower one another and helping each other grow as an individual, but also women of color. Um, So that's been kind of like a really rewarding process for us.
0: That's really beautiful. I think that that idea of, of changing models and even informing new tastes, right? Like giving people a taste for mindfulness, giving mm-hmm. people a taste for nutrition, right?
1: And even therapy in general, I think sometimes those resources are not available for a lot of communities. Um, and so it's normalizing that. That's like normalizing that, yes, you can talk about your feelings, you know, normalizing that it's okay to cry, you know, um, you don't have to be 100% good all the time and feeling that um but I think a lot of the time people of color we have to be kind of like that rock for our family right like where there's a huge thing about you know family and this um collective community um and sometimes it's like feeling that we have to be that rock and that we have to be okay all the time so it's definitely normalizing just mental health and just um like you said meditating being able to be mindful of what's happening around us
0: that's huge. Yeah. And I just want to plug too. I mean, the Healing Chicago is an organization of actually black men that I'm a part of that do yoga weekly. Um, and that's been a really incredible addition to my you know, summer COVID time just to see um, new models. Right. There are only black yoga instructors in our space. Um, we've had two women and then one uh, gentleman who's come through and just like broken down like either the history of the aspects while we're doing the you know the different forms and positions and just practicing the breath and it's been so incredible to grow in like just like mindfulness but then also to pair that with an hour afterwards of just like standing there with yoga mats talking you know what I mean so I think that that's the part for me that's really interesting is that you know, you come to a space thinking that it couldn't possibly have what you need because it's unfamiliar and it feels uncomfortable or out of your wheelhouse for some people. But once you show up in a space that is actually safe and um, that represents you, I think you have an opportunity to connect um, on another level, even if that wasn't the initial, you know, Purpose. It seems like from the outside in. So I think that that's cool that y'all use this like holistic model as well to provide new lenses that the women can use to examine their life, habits, mindsets, and then you pair that with you know like you said some actual support and therapy and different things to build community and to build you know personal self. I think that again, like I'm just amazed. Very awesome to know that this has happened in my city. To know Isabel personally. To be in a position where, um, yeah, I'm able to observe this from afar and also have been somewhat like peripherally involved. So um,
1: and I, I really even love too that. that our women, because um, they also see what we're trying to do here, right? Like, and I think that the way that they feel when even coming to the program, and just like you said, having that open space, um, because now we have them referring maybe women that they knew from their past or maybe women from the community. Um, one of the thing is now that they're carrying the yoga mats on the CTA on the, um, you know, it's a lot of these women, there's other women also saying like, Oh, where, where are you taking this class? So I think it's for them, it was something different. They're like, Oh, someone of color or, Oh, someone that's, um, you know, just a common person on the street is carrying a yoga mat. And then, um, we get actually referrals through that. a lot of our women it's just kind of like word of mouth and being like this program has helped me but also has been a lot of the women that they see the changes in our thrivers they see like oh why are you so positive all the time why are you so happy you know um who is this jesus that you're talking about or who is this you know um spirituality that you're um just being so open about
0: yeah that's incredible i think i mean the best you know the best marketing is a referral that came for free you know what i mean so that's really awesome that that's happening for y'all because i think that that's a good move in the right direction and i think one thing just to return to something else you said about you know the intersectionality of like the these women are a part of a system that is not this group you know what i mean they have family systems that they're a part of um and communities and i think it's cool the intersection of on one end you know, you're getting people who are also in similar scenarios to join um, some of the healing available via Salt and Light Coalition. Um, But then I think on another layer, what you mentioned before of like, uh, being a person who's making shifts and changes in your life, and then being in a family where maybe some of that is, you know, not the normal rhythm um, can be difficult. I think that I I've talked to students even about this, this idea of, um, gaining success and then staying connected to your community is almost doubly as hard because even when you gain that success, then the community still pulls on you out of your success. Right. Because they're like, you're successful while I need some support in this way, or you're successful, like, you know, pay for some of these groceries, pay for some of this rent or like, you know what I mean? Different things where it's like at 19, you really just like need to be able to like, go to school, um, at least in my mind. But, like, in a real way, when you're in a system that doesn't have it all um, consistently, um, resources and whatnot, I think that that success can be difficult to maintain, right? Because even as these women gain that, you know, success and mindfulness and personal wins, those, I think some of those returns um, can be. Mm, Difficult to maintain. Yeah. Difficult to maintain in a system where, um, you know, there's conflict with that growth.
1: And there's also, we, we'd like talk to the women about that too, obviously about like, just, you know, finding themselves, but we also, there's a section where we talk about like, um, the people from your past, right? Like the ones that are going to say, Oh, I need you when you were this, or I knew you this. And like, kind of being like, Oh, you think you're too good for us now. Yep. Um, and even for them being yeah. mindful of like, no, it's not that I'm too good for everybody. Is because I'm just developing to a different person, right? I might not be the same person that I was before, like 10 years ago, or even when um, they were they were in the you know in their um, addiction or they were in the um, the situation that they were in. That it's like no, I'm not the same person anymore. Um, so it has been really good for the women to even be reflecting on that too, right? Like um, maybe in the past they were always like they said, having to help the community, right? But then also those people that are going to be like, kind of like trying to keep pulling you back from your success, um, wanting you to be the same person that you were before. Um, And no, change is not bad, right? Change definitely could be good. Um, And so in helping them embrace their change too.
0: You're listening to Who You Are by Sam Arias. You can find more Sam Arias music and merch on Spotify and at samariasmusic.com. That's S-A-M-A-R-I-A-S music.com. So what do you hope is more true about the world because your organization exists?
1: Definitely, I think it's going to be more of just like building up from one another, um, right? Like women lifting up women instead of um, using each other as competition or viewing it um, kind of just like because, yeah, especially in a world where there's not that many women leaders it might seem like it's a competition, like having to get there or there's only one job, but it's like kind of being like more like, no, let's use each other. Like let's use those connections, being able to help one another, um, building each other up. Um, But also there's like, there's enough room for all of us up um, wherever, you know, we want to be. And it's not having to think that it's like more of like a pyramid, but more of like a platform. Like we can all be up there. We can all be these great women. We can all be all these um, empowering women, but also just because you have something doesn't mean you're taking away from someone else. Instead, you're kind of helping them get to that position too.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that there's this thing, even in the black community that's often talked about that. I think, I mean, if I'm honest, I've kind of struggle with this and exiting this thought of like being like the, they call it the H N I C is like the head one in charge. You know what I mean? Um, And I think that that is a mindset that is broken in me around like the power of community. Right. Cause when I think about, a better world for me, I think it's a world where it's like, there's just more black leadership. Um, So when I think about that, I can't obtain black leadership. And, you know, at the same time, be pushing down on black leaders, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I I really jive with the idea that you brought there uh, with that layer of women, um, uh, being something that it's, it's something where you could get the door open leave it cracked, you know what I mean? Leave that window open so somebody else can get in behind you or come in with you, so.
1: Yeah, and I tell a lot of our women too, like we already have sometimes a lot of different factors that are preventing us, right, from these little leadership roles. Um, a lot of the time it's going to be like our socioeconomic status. It's going to be right, our gender. That's already one, but um, I guess these women have another difficult layer of also they have their background. You know, they have um, their substance abuse in the past, um, so it's kind of like they already have to prove to other people, like they don't have to be proving to ourselves. Like we know to, you know, to all the women here that it's like, no, we, we already know, like the person that you are capable of being. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's definitely working against all those different layers and different, um, you know, just things working against them
0: with some of these, you know, pasts being a part of these women's stories, whether it be substance abuse or um, being sex trafficked and maybe um, facing, you know, legal trouble because of those things, how does that intersect your, you know, job placement and training um, for, for the women? Like, do you have partners that, you know, have like really thought through and understand that? Or is that something that just hasn't been an issue here in Illinois at this time?
1: Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely an issue. I think, we're working to get all these um, different organizations and jobs just to kind of build that um, partnership with us. But for us, it's helping the women, starting the process of getting like their records expunged. Um, for a lot of them, may, they might not have like high school diplomas or GEDs, so helping them get to that process too. So um, I kind of see it as there's like a platform or there's like a, where the women start. I want to be able to get them to even like the, to be as close to having like an equal playing field with other people. But yet, like you said, they still have their background. Um, But then it's also a lot of the times that these employers, when they hire some of the women, they see the hardworking that they are. They see the women that they like, they currently see them who they are now. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's definitely working with them to be like, no, they, it's not who they're the past is, right? Like these women have changed these women. um, And a lot of the time it's kind of also having them understand that it was, um, a lot of, when they were in this situation, it was because of, right a manipulation of gaslighting of oppression, um, and it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their choice. A lot of the time, they had no choice. Um, so kind of like seeing that they have overcome that, um, and helping them, you know, get jobs that doesn't is not looking at their background. Um, but we're definitely trying to help them just to be able to once they leave Salt and Light that they're kind of more of like an equal playing field and they're being seen more of the person that they are today and not who they were five years ago, 10 years ago.
0: That's really awesome. And it's cool that again, that wraparound service is I think one of the biggest points. It's not like, Oh, we're going to push you to do this with someone else. Like we're going to take this on as a part of, you know, one of the hurdles that we're going to jump together um, with you. And I think that that's really cool. That's really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask also is What's then maybe one of your proudest moments uh, serving um, and, you know, helping without hurting in that way?
1: Mm-hmm. For me, it's been more of like, there. I mean, obviously, right, every, but even being human, sometimes we start um, doubting ourselves mm-hmm. and feeling like sometimes I don't do enough of the work or what, what could have done better. Like, I think that what you mentioned, right, like should there have been one extra program? Um, and I guess the proudest moments have just been when, these women are like either during graduation or even when they like sharing their story and somehow my name is in their story. Um, And so for me, it just shows that I'm making these changes in these smaller little, um, right. um, I guess, smaller, like a micro. And so for me, it's like, I think because I'm not changing the world and we're not ending trafficking right now, um, that sometimes it's when I kind of feel like, "Oh, oh, what am I doing? But then seeing those little changes that I'm like, okay, just by like listening to them, you know, um, like even the women, they say that they're like, "You're like a sister to us," you know. And it's like, and I always tell them, "I'm gonna be that sister that you don't want, but you have no choice because I'm still gonna be there." Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna hate me some of the days, and you're gonna love me, um, but then at the end, of the day, I'm there. Like I'm family. I'm gonna be there for you and helping you guys succeed. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like, and it's a very like help, heartfelt moment too, like saying like, "Oh, Meyer has made a difference." You know, and I was like, you know, I'm I'm glad that that hard work is, you know, um, and then also when they get jobs, you know, that I'm just like, I, I sincerely see them from the beginning. Um, in the beginning they come sometimes and they might seem lost. They're kind of like disheveled, they they're not used to structure, they're not used to certain times. And then once they're graduate, they're a different person. Like they have a whole different like posture and poise and um just like it's kind of like seeing your kid going from kindergarten all the way to high school and just being like, wow. Um, Even though we do it in one year, it's just, it's interesting the transformation that we do see.
0: That's insane. Yeah. I think that that's a really cool aspect of like what I'm hearing you say is is that you love seeing the women empowered, right? You love seeing them exit a space where they feel like they have few options um, and they've showed up and now this is one option and now they realize that this whole time, and now more than ever, they have more options. And I think that that's so incredible to see that be what fuels you and what um, makes you proud of what you do, because I think, yeah, it can get really hard. Like, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, and they were like, everyone wants their organization to be as successful and have the longevity of like the NAACP or something like, like, we're not all there, right? That organization's been around, gonna be around, like all these things. And, and pray the same for you know salt and light coalition it's obviously newer but i think the the impact is not always measured in the same way that i think we desire to see it like you were saying like oh we didn't solve trafficking we haven't done this unlocked or whatever like all these layers that are like potential metrics um that are on the table um but aren't the only thing Happening, And I think that that's, that's really key. I think that we, we can all benefit from digesting our experience with some grace, but also digesting our experience from the, the small impact because, yeah, I think that um, it isn't small to the, to the women and it's, it's still very important, right? It's still very important. Who knows what can be birthed out of a movement um, or into a movement from the efforts of today. Um, so mm. I think that that consistency is is really key. And I even think back to, you know, one of the bigger times that I've worked with Salt and Light um, was about a summer or two ago, they did kind of like an exposure day camp thing and seeing what the students created um, by the end of that, the handful of students was just like, just incredible. One of the um, presenters, she ended up being able to present um, at a later event um, with Salt and Light her video that she created, and she really poured her soul into this thing. And I was just just blown away by what um, the impact can be on a student who's who's made aware of something like this. Because similar things were presented to me when I was a student, a student when I was a kid in high school. But just understanding that, like you know, that summer program could be you know something that you know, births the next iteration of Salt and Light which yeah. is just like, that's just so crazy.
1: And especially like you said, getting these um, younger leaders and right. And having them be co- becoming like active in just like this fight against human trafficking, but also um, for them to even see the signs like for their friends or for themselves. Um, because yeah, a lot of the times like life happens, right? Like we, we don't choose to know where we're living at. We sometimes, we, we can't choose a situation that we are, but we can definitely, choose the choices that we're going to make in the future. Right. Or what, what are some stuff that I can prevent that? Um, no, yeah, that was very empowering and sometimes something that we don't talk to kids about, or we don't talk to teens about. Um, but yeah, it's just really powerful seeing those leaders emerging. Um, and yeah. And that video was amazing, you know, and it was one of those things. Um, I know they played it again at the gala and I have like small gathering here for art, like since we had like a virtual gala and I remember like, we're going through this video and I'm like, yeah. And she made it. You know, she's in her teens. Everybody's like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. Um, so definitely targeting different audiences too. Yeah.
0: I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. I remember the question still stands out from the video. It's like, I think it even starts like, what if that was me? You know what I mean? Like, that's such a basic, you know, elementary question, but it is the center of it. It's like recognizing, you know, before, during, and after these experiences that have really kind of taken these women's lives in some ways off track of what they they could uh, have obtained for themselves or even wanted for themselves Um, they still in that process were people who you know were really image bearers right they they weren't you know those decisions that they made Um, and I think that recognizing their humanity in advance of those those um, decisions or just the situations like you said without even being able to choose Um, and then now being able to look at them and say hey like even after all that you you still you still have value you're still um someone with strength you're still these things uh, we all bear that image uh of value something eternal something strong something that's going to be there even with or without decisions that part never changes um whether we you know really believe that or not and i think that that's something that we could stand to remind each other of is that we all kind of bear an image that is Um, bigger than us and still in us as um, something that's unique um, but something that is um, to be valued to be respected and valued what's something difficult what's one difficult moment you've had and experienced um in this work i'm not sure how long you've worked with salt and light or in general in like a helping profession but um yeah what's what's a difficult experience that you've had um doing this work
1: yeah i am it's gonna be two years that i've been with salt and light um I think definitely, just talking a little bit more of what we just talked um, a little bit earlier about, just you know, not having all that responsibility fall on me. Like we've mentioned, um, that I can only do so much, and not feeling that I, I'm responsible for um, every single thing of their life. Because um, yeah, especially with empowering them, we want them to have that ability for them to do it themselves too, and not feeling that I'm the one that has to be like, oh, let me get them housing, let me get them, you know, I, you know, everything that is it's just kind of more of like, letting that go, but also trusting that what I have been teaching them what we've been um, walking with them in their journey that they are learning that um, And a lot of the time too has been kind of having a boundary of the issues that the women have and all the trauma that they have been going um, and not taking that home with me. Because um, that could be very difficult when I have over 30 women um, right, confiding in me, they feel that I'm like the one that's like helping them solve their problems. Um, And then being able to kind of like leave that at the door, come home, um, de-stress a little, um, and then get fueled again for the next day. Um, Yeah, especially with this profession, the burnout rate is so high. And so just making sure that I'm taking that time for myself too, because I can't pour from an empty glass. So I got to make sure that I am continuously filling my cup so I can keep um, pouring into theirs.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I think that that's, any helping profession stands to really hear what you just said again and i think for me it's you know getting outside i always tell my wife and friends and stuff um that when i get outside for you know an hour on the weekend whether it's a run a hike or whatever i feel like i'm just like almost like brushing my brain you know what i mean like i'm like cleaning out the things that have either congested me or stressed me during the week And uh, yeah, I'd want to know what are some of the things that you do to de-stress? Like, how do you de-escalate and like kind of come down from, you know, carrying a lot of that weight?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, especially during the pandemic, there was a point that I wasn't doing in a healthy way. I was definitely coming home and just, I would get lost in the social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just kind of one of those things that I would look down. And then when I looked up at the clock, it was already almost nine o'clock. And I'm like, how did that happen? Um, so I started like kind of being mindful of what I was doing and then finding healthier ways to do it. So now it's just been me, um, working out, like I joined a CrossFit gym. So that's been one of the huge stress reliever for me. It's like being able to wake up and just kind of start my day already, like feeling, um, punked. And then it's also been like the crafting and just like the art, um, creative outlet has been a huge way of being able to de-stress, um, because right now, since we're using Zoom so much, the last thing that I want to do is calling people. <laughs> the last thing I want right. to do is Zoom call sometimes because it's been, um, I'm doing that so much for my job. So it's been just finding that time for myself. Mm. Um, but also making sure that I'm not just, I felt like a potato sometimes, like just like laying on the couch and just on my phone. So it's definitely been more of like being active, um, having my mind be somewhere else, but still be able to be like mindful of where I'm at. Yeah,
0: as an extrovert, I think I experienced this time very awkwardly because it's like I want to connect with people, but definitely not virtually anymore. Like I need, you know, face-to-face connections more now than ever. So any time that I have and I can find that, I, I try to uh, because it's it's definitely difficult to only have the option of calling people when that's what I've done all day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's real. That's really awesome. Well, I think as we kind of like pivot towards, uh, a closing, um, I just wanted to know, yeah. Was there any other just overarching things that you just wanted to share about your work or things that are coming up soon or just anything in general?
1: Um, yeah, we actually have a 5k coming up in two weeks. Um, so that's a good, a fun way to get involved with Salt and Lay. Um, but also like we said, doing virtual, doing small little runs with family friends, um, maybe even just like a goal for yourself. Like like, I have not ran or walked a 5k. Let me just push myself to actually know that that walk is going to be helping other women. Um, But yeah, I think social media, like just connecting with us in social media has helped a lot um, because I've been trying my best to give like a glimpse of what we do on a daily basis. Um, So connecting us through Instagram, um, Facebook, salt and light coalition um, just kind of seeing what then what else is going on. But we always, We have such a team that's always filled with great ideas. So sometimes we'll be doing like, oh, like a 5K, let's do a 5K or something. We're going to do something also for Thanksgiving, um, like a past assault. um, So just connecting with us and all those outlets will help even just learn a little bit more and kind of see how we can help on smaller scales here in Chicago.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, definitely. Chicago is the space where we all call home and it's the space we have to take care of. So, thank you so much uh, for being here with me and just kind of diving into your work. I think we'll definitely uh, pump the 5K and make sure that we give people the opportunity to, uh, yeah, see some of your handles on social media so that we can uh, get people connected to the work, even if it's just um, making it more visible. So, I really appreciate you, Myra. This has been incredible just to connect and yeah, just to even just understand who you are as a person and share a little bit about myself. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: Thanks. You too.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Sankofa 1619 LLC. Sankofa 1619 LLC's primary purpose is to reclaim our past, redefine ourselves, and reconnect to our truth as black people. In an effort to expand the idea of blackness and reconnect to our roots, Sankofa 1619 works as an umbrella organization with projects ranging from independent historical dance films and dance fitness, seminars, children's books, guided breathwork meditation, and much more. These works have been given birth to bring awareness to global influences of the African diaspora and break free from the conditioning of Eurocentric ideas. With historical context, through the medium of art, Sankofa provides the audience with the opportunity to connect to that which is already there, our truth, which has been hidden, misinterpreted, and or stolen by colonization. Support Sankofa 1619 LLC by following them today on Instagram to hear more about their upcoming projects. I'm Dietrich Hunter, and this is Curate Curiosity.